because I did lose a bet. All I said was 420 likes, and you, you guys gave me 1,600. And look, look, not nearly as good as Sandy or Jordan. That's for damn sure. But listen, we, we give it our best shot. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Make sure you can see us okay in the comments. You can hear us okay. Um, we have the one and only Sandy Monroe, the one and only Jordan Gisigi, and we have the panelists from the channel uh, who have supported the channel as well to ensure we have a, a, a very detailed discussion about different topics related to Tesla, related to sort of the future of EVs, autonomous vehicles, the bot and other stuff as well. But um, obviously the ground rules are, if you're in the comments section below, make sure you keep it respectful. All our ideas, you know, we, we're definitely welcome every idea. We want to get into it and really understand how things are going to pan out, but please keep it respectful. And uh, yeah, thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Jordan, very much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have TeslaCon part two, baby. We're back. Yeah, We're back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By popular demand. <laughs> that's right. By popular demand. Um, maybe what we'll do then, we'll kick it off with uh, Jordan. I'll have you sort of, uh, I know you probably have a lot of questions. Um, some of the topics that we were kind of thinking through were, and, and I know you, you threw out there, but uh, I know obviously Cybertruck, $25,000 cars coming down the pike, uh, the RoboTaxi, um, the Tesla bot. Uh, and things like that. But what uh, what sort of top of man mind for you to kick off the discussion and then we'll take it from there? Oh, good question. Um, so the, one of the first things that you mentioned in your email, I believe, was the uh, uh, Tesla's next vehicle, like the $25,000 vehicle. What is that? Uh, what are we expecting from that? And one thing I was thinking this morning is um, what is the lead time for a vehicle like that? And that's probably a question that Sandy can answer because Right now, Tesla's rolling out their full self-driving and they, you know, that may or may not be ready in time for a robo taxi in 2024. So I'm thinking that they probably have a couple options there waiting in the wings. So, mm. you know, how long can they wait before they make uh, an announcement for a vehicle for, say, 2024 uh, to finalize the design you know, and get, it the, get the supply, ch supply chain set up, etc.? Well, with Tesla, they move a whole lot faster than everybody else. So as a rule and that is the rule um it takes about 60 months from bubble up to first customer ship or start of production sop they call it anyhow uh but what we've seen with tesla is that they probably don't from the first concept drawings till the till the first customer ship is i think somewhere around just under three years so five years for everybody else three years for them and I think if they wanted to put the pedal to the metal, they could get it even faster. So I think that um, if um, if Tesla said they're going to be bringing something out in 2024, it's probably going to happen. Self-driving is a that's a tough nut to crack, but it doesn't matter. It's somewhere else. Those that's a uh, that's software and software and um, and the mechanics, the electronics and whatnot. They don't they don't really have to talk to each other. Um, and all the boards are the same anyway, so it would just be a matter of downloading something over the uh, over the years. So I think that Tesla could probably get it out in three years or less. And I think that a $24,000 vehicle with Tesla shouldn't be that hard. And I'll bet you they'll make, they'll probably do 25% um, gross profit, gross profit. Uh, that's based on you know we do a lot of costing and whatnot, and that's based on what i see and will it will a battery pack be the same no it'll probably be lfp and um they probably will not have 
dual motors and stuff like that. But um, but I think there'll be uh, uh, plenty of opportunities for a $25,000 vehicle. I, I, to be quite frank, I think they could do it tomorrow if they wanted to by utilizing um, uh, induction motors and things like that. I mean, it's not going to be a barn burner. But at the end of the day, most of the people that want a $24,000 car just want a $24,000 Tesla. That's what they're looking for. They don't care about the other the other stuff. But I, I don't think know. it's right, right there. Yeah, and on that note, talking about reducing the cost, one thing that Tesla said at the last earnings call was that they want to reduce the effort to produce the vehicle by like 50%. So there's things that you've predicted in the past, like moving to giga castings and things like that, ways to make it easier to produce a vehicle. What are other things that you see in the future that they could potentially simplify the manufacturing process? Uh, for instance, um, one thing I'm thinking is simplifying the wiring and electrical system or yeah. moving to those uh, Brembo Sensify brakes that were mentioned by Autoline. So um, yeah. do you have any ideas there? Well, those are two excellent, um, those are two excellent examples of where you can start. But you got to remember that um, to move to a, a, a different wiring system or different wiring harness, usually you have to change the voltage and stuff like that. You go to 42 volt or 48 volts or whatever, then um, you can you can you know reduce the wire diameter. But there's a, there's other tricks that you can do too, and that's um, that's communication over power. So there are people who've done this and are doing it currently, uh, but I'm not 100% sure how we would get it past the um, NISHTA, the, the, the National Highway Safety guys, or uh, maybe uh, some of the other agencies that you have to deal with in producing a car and putting it into the marketplace. 50% uh, reduction um, could happen with a $24,000 vehicle easily because you're not going to get the same sort of creature comforts as we've got in a, in a Model S Plaid. There's a lot of things that are going to be missing or different or just not there. And if you want to drop the price even more, the suspension system, the suspension system on a, uh, on a uh, Tesla that we see in the marketplace right now is equivalent to what you'd see in a BMW. So you could, you could drop the, a lot of cost if you move mm. to um, uh, say um, instead of a five bar link, you go to a twist. I don't want to suggest a twist beam because quite frankly, um, not my favorite but that 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 cuts the uh that cuts the cost down by closer to 70 percent it, it really makes a big difference when you move away from and if i'm not going like a rocket ship i don't need the same sorts of uh feel back to the uh back to the uh the driver so i think it's entirely possible for tesla to come up with that and i'm absolutely positive that uh, that if they just uh, step back from, you know, building rocket ships and uh, and really fast cars and looked at it from my hey I have got a I've got a guy here who doesn't have a whole lot of money, what can I do to um, what can I do to give him or her the car of their dreams um, at a price that they can afford? So yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm uh -huh. positive of that, and still make money at it. I, I feel like I'm monopolizing Sandy here, but I do have oh, one more. You have a mustache. There. You're allowed. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mustache. And then mustache. secondarily, guys with beards and then uh, the rest of them. Who, yeah. Sorry, Kennedy, Sean. 
Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's right. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, first off, that was really useful information. I didn't even think about the suspension. That, that, that should have been something that was obvious to me. But in terms of uh, the high voltage, this is something I've been bouncing around. And I've, I've mentioned it before in my videos and on Twitter. And people said, no, you can't go to 48 volt because 12 volt has such huge economies of scale. But what I'm wondering is, is Tesla getting to a large enough scale now where they could yeah. sort of command the market to move in the direction of higher voltage <laughs> to get those right. economies of scale? Absolutely. In fact, uh, for the number of things that you'd need to have converted to 48 volts, they'd probably do it themselves. And then the market will scramble to catch up. And that's the way it works all the time. Elon Musk knows that if he does it, everybody will. I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> so Tesla's got the mega castings, right? Did you see what was in... Um, <laughs> What was in the, the latest at, uh, what is it, EV something or other? Um, General Motors has got five, five castings that they're welding together. They won't be profitable. I don't know why they did it. Just to compete, I guess. It's like, we, we, we want one too. So uh, uh, everybody is diving into it. I've heard, from, I've heard that Volkswagen's doing it. Ford is doing it. General Motors has published it. Oh, it's a big secret. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll put it on the front page of the SAA magazine. I mean, really? Anyways, um, anyways, everybody follows Tesla. There are no leaders anywhere in the uh, in the automotive world. None, zero, zero. There could have been. Well, let me rephrase that. I think I I really think that um, um, Jim Farley is a, is a leader. <laughs> but wow, I mean, this is a leader where half the troops don't want to do what they're told. So he's one. And the other guy, uh, unfortunately, was uh, Dietz and he got sacked. So mm -hmm. those are the two leaders that uh, if we want to talk about uh, the, the EVs that we can see nowadays, um, the only other guys that I would point at as being leaders um, are in uh, China. China is... China's got a leader. China's got uh, Chairman Xi. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's a, he's a harsh guy, but you know what? At least he's a leader. Yeah. yeah. So there we are. It's tough, tough to overcome when you have an yeah. entire sort of country behind the, the movement of, of the electrification, right? I mean, it's, they're willing to throw yeah. a bunch of money at it. So, um, yeah, well, they, they, um, the, the people in China actually kind of, uh, are of one mind. I, I don't know how to, else to describe it. I, I watched, you know, when I was training people in China in the past, I, people would have strong views on something and, and uh, Chairman Xi would put something out and boom, it changed. Like when he, when he decided enough prostitution and um, he put out a little warning, said, um, and you ladies, uh, want to keep that up it's going to be bad and then he came in and he arrested like 500,000 of them over the holiday weekend and um and then did it again and again and now you it used to be that you'd get little cars stuck in your door and or taps on the door and you know uh that kind of that all went away it's all gone mm. um I, I got none of that stuff in my last two trips to, to China so they they're they have a different mindset there's nobody refusing to do what uh, what the big boss has to say yeah. yeah 
Um, just one question on my end, and then I hand it over to, I, I saw Borghan or Hans come off mute earlier, but um, one of the statements that you made, uh, you know, repeatedly in the past was around China, how China is a legitimate, and you just made it today as well, like China is really the, the legitimate competitor to say even uh, Tesla, but really one of the giant players moving forward in electrification. Do you feel more and more emboldened the more we go into sort of the, the present and the future that that's really becoming the like like how we reached a point where um, it, this is a uh, sort of like a, a done deal and the other players are kind of like, you know, like it's going to be China and Tesla and that's it. Or, or do, is, is there still a chance for, say, your Ford and GMs and everybody else in Volkswagen to legitimately make, make a dent in here before they become too dominant? How do you think about that? Okay, so let's talk about the number one player in the automotive world is Toyota. Toyota dropped 2 million cars, maybe more this year, and I think they're going to be down at 7 million next year. That's a hell of a drop from 11 or 12 million down to 7 million. Why? Because they didn't stay focused on what was important, and what was important was electrification through batteries, not hydrogen. And I don't know how many times I've said this, but probably too many. Hydrogen is good for large airplanes, large ships, large trucks, not cars. It doesn't, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's just another hybrid as far as I'm concerned. Hybrids are useless. Why would I want to carry around the extra weight, fuel tanks and everything? It's like stupid. There's no reason for having it. So um, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of like, why uh, Toyota is going to drop. Volkswagen, too many marketing guys making noises about, hey, I got a good idea. Let's try and push biodiesel. And I've gotten some, unfortunately, I can't, can't, uh, I can't give them out, but I've gotten letters, letters that were delivered like via, uh, what do you call it, post office things. People that, that are working there and telling me that that uh, that VW went on a marketing campaign to change everybody's mind. That that doesn't work. That and so VW is going to also take a gigantic hit. GM sat on their hands too long. Um, basically, we've tried to trace back where did range anxiety come from. That's probably from GM marketing. Now they're trying their best to catch up, but. I mean, they pick technologies that are going to be passe in a very near future. And um, it just, they, they made a mistake. Um, and um, BMW, uh, Mercedes, uh, Honda, Honda went in the wrong direction. So all these guys, they, they, they believed, uh, they believed the big consulting houses. So, I mean, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but um, I'm going I'm to tell you what my next read is. Can you give me that book? My Here next read. Book recommendation by Sandy. I love yeah, this. Yeah, a book recommendation. Start a book club. Yes. <laughs> Let's see it. Oh, there we are. When McKinsey comes to town. Okay. <laughs> I have used that line uh, quite a bit because... Uh, the big giant companies do what 
the big boss wants or what's going to be good for the big boss, not necessarily what's going to be good for the com the uh, the economy, almost never for the economy. They can take big companies and shrink them down into small ones like overnight. Good example, GE. Amazing. When I was a kid, GE made everything from light bulbs to jet engines. Not much now. So I think that um, I think that they were listening to all of the big giant conglomerate uh, uh, consulting houses, and they weren't paying enough attention to um, the people, the governments, the environmentalists, the uh, pretty much everybody. They 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 told the big management what they wanted to hear. Oh, you're on the right path. Don't worry about anything. 2044, 2045. That's when you're. That's when you need to make a decision. And that's what wound up happening. In China, that did not happen at all. So BYD, I think, is going to give Tesla a run for their money because BYD has got huge factories for making um, uh, batteries. They own tremendous amounts of uh, mines and refining areas or at least have great big giant um, uh, claws in uh, those that are doing it. And even uh, and no one said a word before. I mean, okay, Trump made a lot of noise about China, and then and now Biden's making a lot of noise about China. Okay, uh, that's fine. But you know what? It nobody made any noise ten or fifteen years ago when they were buying up all the different mineral rights and all the different um, contracts for for making sure that they were going to have enough to get everything they needed to get done. So, yes, I think China will be very dominant. It's going to be similar to the Japanese invasion that happened in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. And when General Motors went from 60% market share down to, I don't know what they got now, 15 or something. I don't, I really don't care. But it, it dropped an awful lot. And Toyota went from a joke. The first Toyota I, had, I saw had a chain drive. Are you kidding me? A, a car with a chain drive? That's, that's like ridiculous. So, but not now. Now, now they're, or let's say for right now, they're the biggest. But I think there's going to be uh, going to be big changes coming down the pike real fast. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Uh, I know Jordan, you came off you, but I also wanted to throw it to Borkhan. Did you have something you wanted to expand on on this topic uh, before I throw it over to to our friend on the bottom left corner here? Or are you good as far as this one goes, Jordan? You good where you are? Can you hear us? Jordan, hello. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I sorry, you sorry. Gonna, I thought you said you're going to talk to or Borgen had a question. Oh no, I wasn't sure if you wanted to expand on the point that Sandy just made before. Oh, in terms of like, you come off yeah, I've been making yeah. notes all through this. So, like in terms okay. of like uh, like this Chinese invasion, BYD, etc. Um, I imagine they're going to have to, or they're going to continue uh, saturating their own market. But when do you expect that we'll really see a a, a ramp of those vehicles in in the United States? Like uh, you know, hitting like a you know hundreds of thousands of vehicles per year. Is that something we should expect yeah. for 2025 or after 2025? Because I'm seeing the same thing. It's just yeah. when I look at the battery packs of other manufacturers compared to Tesla's and uh, when I look at BYD's, you know, there's there's two levels to the game. There's the, right. uh, the structural packs and then there's, you know, the old style last gen packs that everybody else is producing. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So um, um, I... Uh... I'm not sure if you ever saw the little video or whatever where I talk about the valley of death. Now I called it death valley, but 
I don't use my own research all the time. If somebody agrees with me, then I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Hey, this looks like I could put two of these things right over the top of Acha, hold it up to the ceiling here, the light, and I could see right through and it'd be perfect. So Connect the Dots also did the exact same thing as what I did. And I said 2025 is when the invasion will start. And it'll start because there's demand, but no supply. And that's when you're going to start to see um, big companies tripping over themselves, faltering, whatever you want to call it. And that is going to be the beginning of the end. And it's just like what happened when, um, you know, uh, uh, GM started bringing out little cars, the Vega. My brother had one of those. It see the engine seized up. Uh, then they had uh, they had all kinds of uh, little cars that they weren't. They they just tried to make them cheap, and uh, they they didn't have what Toyota and Honda, and um, actually at the time Datsun had that. It turned into Nissan, but uh, that 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 kind of stuff. They didn't have anything that uh, that could compete with that, and then he wound up losing. 2025, and then it's going to dip way into, and that's when the valley of death happens. So you can see the curve goes up, and then it goes down like that. That's where that curve where it goes down like that, that's the supply from the conventional OEMs being eclipsed by the demand for for the for the type of product. and. That's where we, uh, that's where we're going to see uh, some bad things happening. And there it is, right? There it is. That is, um, <clears throat> that's the uh, the chart from, um, that's the chart from the uh, the folks over at Connect the Dots. Yeah, and on, yeah. on on that note, in terms of scaling, you've mentioned that you think uh, fuel cell slash slash hydrogen has some niche use cases that uh, it applies to like semis. Right. But one right. thing that I'm thinking in that department is it seems like batteries are driving the cost down so quick and, and there's so many efficiencies there that uh, it, it feels like it's, um, you know, even though right now there's certain niche cases where batteries aren't the best for semis, I have a feeling they're going to get there um, before, economically before like a uh, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles get there. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Cause it just seems like yeah. uh, it's the first to scale, I guess, in my view is whoever scales the quickest, that's who's going to dominate the market. Okay. So um, there is range anxiety when you get to truckers, they, uh, you know, they, they need to move from here to there and then, you know, they need to do it in a hurry. Um, and then there's the other thing. Um, batteries weigh a lot. And the more batteries I have, the less load I can carry. So if you're talking to a long hauler, what's lighter? Um, a couple of tubes of um, hydrogen that, that, and a fuel cell or more battery packs? And what, what it comes right down to is that there is a crossover point there, just like what you saw with the Valley of Death. Uh, the crossover point happens when you start looking at continuous runs for more than three, 400 miles, 300 miles for sure. And that is where, that's where the, the big truck guys are gonna be looking for um, something that is gonna give them that long range. And I know Nicola was thrown under the bus and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I drove their truck um, and I, it, it drives really nice. It, it works really well. 
Um, and the thing that it's got over everybody else's range, it's got a lot more range than everyone else. And it's faster to um, eject. <clears throat> you can eject all those canisters in no time flat and pop in new canisters. And that's truckers are very interested in getting from point A to point B as quickly as they can. So you can get another load and go somewhere else. And that's why I think that, um, and by the way, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you still have to have a shitload of batteries. To get from point A to point B, it's not just uh, some fuel cell, because that only, all that thing does is charge batteries. And it's better to do it with a fuel cell and hydrogen than it is to do it with a small G diesel pup engine or something like that, or a turbine. We, I mean, we've tried everything in the, I, I don't know if you knew it, but I, I've worked in the truck industry for a long, long time as well. Heavy class eight trucks. Mm -hmm. And um, we've tried everything. This is where a fuel cell does shine. It, it works out just fine for this kind of an application for long haul trucks. The short haul trucks don't need it. Just just have the batteries. You don't need it. Um, long haul, mm, the truckers are going to want that. They're, they're going to demand it, actually. Yeah. Uh, what do you think would drive them to move from, switch from diesel to hydrogen? Would it be the, the, the economics? They're ready to do it now. No, they're ready to do it now. All right. Nobody wants the stink. No one wants the, uh, the diesel fuel. Um, no one, uh, actually, um, one of the things I do know, and I'm not sure if it's published, publicized or whatever, but um, on the Oxnard docks in Los Angeles, or in around Los Angeles, there's a whole bunch of Nikola trucks out there. And if you go near the docks, you can see miles of trucks, miles of trucks. And they're all sitting there idling because it's too damn hot to open your window and just turn off. So you've got them idling. And then you've got the Nikola trucks just sitting there. They're not making any pollution. They, everybody inside the cab is still nice and cool on and on and on. Now, I don't know if they're publicizing that or not, but I went down and have a look. And uh, if you're in California and you need a day trip or something and you want to go and see, just go down and have a look at the docks and, and have a look at how much shit is going into the air. I'm telling you, you can hardly breathe in that neighborhood. What's but, the name of this area, Sandy, again? The L.A. docks are Oxnard. Oxnard is um, uh, just outside of L.A. And uh, if you go to the L.A. docks, uh, there's plenty of uh, plenty of cargo ships coming in there. The other guys that are looking for that are the guys in Singapore. Um, they're uh, they're also uh, not really interested in having they have tugs. They don't really use um, uh, long haul trucks and whatnot, but they have tugs that uh, you, you get a whole bunch of um, uh, seatainers and they go into uh, um, like a palletized uh, uh, unit or whatever. And then they drive from place to place. They're all electric now. They're looking at hydrogen because they want to keep going all day long. So gotcha. for that application, it's perfect. You couldn't ask for better. You can run 24 hours a day with that kind of stuff. With, um, with um, class eight, Deliveries under 300 miles doesn't make any sense at all. None. Good. None. Um, Ishan, I saw you come off mute yeah. for the semi discussion. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, it's a great point, Sandy, that you said for long haul hydrogen might make sense. But uh, recently with the North American charging standard, we understand that the Tesla connector can 
essentially charge up to one megawatt hours, right? And uh, if we consider uh, like even the higher range uh, trucks that uh, Tesla is planning the semis, uh, it'll probably give like two, three, four hundred miles of range in 30 to 40 minute stops, considering that uh, truckers never really are at the you know peak of the uh, load capacity that trucks are designed for. It's probably around you know 15, 60 percent, right? Of 82,000 tons. Uh, no, not yeah. tons. Sorry, pounds, kgs. Yeah, yeah. or kilograms. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever. Kilograms. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, so they're probably at 50, 60 percent. So that's a huge, uh, uh, you know, distance multiplier or range multiplier. I'd say. So uh, considering things like this, is it still feasible? to have like a significant market share of long haul trucking be uh, you know uh, battery electric versus uh, absolutely needing to go to hydrogen well i never said that it was going to be the 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 the, the large uh, the large haul trucks are are going to be the uh, you know that, that's not going to be the standard they don't not everybody needs that kind of stuff so like i said 300 miles and below there's no reason for anything but battery. Above that, yeah, that's when you start looking at this stuff becomes more and more feasible. And as far as truckloads are concerned, um, you probably noticed on the side of the road, there's all those way stations. You know, there's lots of guys that uh, they get nailed for um, being overloaded. And um, I think that in the future, it's, uh, it's going to be something where it's just economics. If the if the trucker can um, if the trucker can get um, you know if he sees a difference in the cost of doing just batteries or or if it's uh, hydrogen and batteries <clears throat> he'll figure it out and he'll go in that direction. Truckers are uh, very shrewd because a lot of them are independent. They're very very shrewd businessmen. They don't want to know about um, what's the price of the truck. They want to know what's the um, what's the cost, the life cycle cost of the truck, and that's where you see these guys. You know, you say, "Wow, we're going to put brand X diesel engine in your truck," and they go, "I don't think so," because they know they're not going to get a million. They want a million miles out of a out of a diesel engine. They know they're not going to get a million miles out of that. That's where some of the uh, some of the imports from <laughs> Russia. Russia gave a, a good shot at that. They tried to get their diesel engines in. That that didn't work. And then uh, China, China's sent lots of diesel engines. First off, they didn't pass the emissions. And secondly, they didn't last that long. So um, truckers are astute people. They do not buy just based on price. They're going to look at their particular business case and then they'll sort it out from there. But, uh, but they... They always ask for the same thing. What's the life cycle cost of uh, of your vehicle over two million miles, whatever? Yeah. Got it. On on the case of Tesla and the semi, so so uh, under three hundred miles, pure EV makes sense uh, for yeah. semi. We did a little exercise on this channel on one of the forums that we had, where we're trying to like come up with the economics of what this Tesla semi could look like, and we're trying to figure out what it's going to be priced at, how much margin they're going to be making on this thing. Do you have sort of an idea of what that could look like for Tesla? I think I think we're viewing, and I'm trying to find the freaking spreadsheet. I can't find it. But I think we were thinking somewhere between 
a hundred and maybe two or fifty to a hundred thousand units per year. They could maybe uh, uh, or uh, charge about three hundred thousand per. Then you uh, you think about their cost. They should have a lot of shared parts between sort of the supply chain that they've built. Theoretically, they could leverage some of it to build out the semi. So your cost per unit comes down and then you have the full self-driving technology on top of it. So we're thinking somewhere between yeah. 40 to 50 percent gross margin. Like how how do you think about the unit economics for Tesla for the semi? Well, for the semi, I don't I don't see much in the way of um, like the batteries. Yeah, they could probably use their own batteries. But when it comes to the drive motors and everything else, it, that's going to be totally different. They'll use the same techniques and probably the same technology, but it, they won't be the same electric motors. You might be able to use some of the inverters maybe, but uh, at the end of the day, the frame is different. The cab is different. Uh, the instrumentation will be different. The seats are different um, or seat. Sometimes you just buy one seat. Um, all this other stuff that goes along inside there is going to be different. And then regen braking, I'm definitely wanting that. I mean, uh, I don't know uh, if you guys heard or remember, but when Corey and I went across the country, we had to leave Eugene, Oregon, and then go up into the mountains, and we're like down to near to nothing in our uh, in our batteries. And, in the snow, uh, and right? Think, and the snow was chasing us. Yeah. We <laughs> we didn't see this. We saw the snow every once in a while, but it was chasing us. And so, but when we went down the hill. Got all our battery charged back. Big. <laughs> I mean, this was like uh, free energy. I <laughs> couldn't believe it. And that's kind of like what's going to happen with the uh, these big truckers. You can get 600 miles out of something uh, if if you're going up the mountain and down the other side. And not only that, you won't get a runaway. That's that's the big thing about electric mm. trucks. There's no such thing as a runaway. If if the things go down, your brakes don't fail. You're, you're regening, wow. you're regening, you're, you're, you're filling the batteries back up. This is like gold. It's like free. Actually, I'll tell you, Sue and I went, my wife and I went to, uh, to a deal in Canada and, um, and, um, uh, I'm, we, we went in the, uh, we went in the Rivian. So geez, you know, I, I went a little too fast and, uh, I, I knocked the, uh, I knocked the amount of, uh, miles that we had left down we got across the border and the little map said hey don't take the expressway take uh, you know take woodward or something because there's all kinds of crap going on so we went around and, and we're going down um we're we were in windsor i think we were at like 35 miles or something like that and i thought we'll we'll get something when we get to the states so we got across the border we went on to woodward avenue we're going along and along and along. Finally, we get to uh, basically within 10 miles of our place. It's at 42 miles because I mean, it's stop and go. And I only drive with one foot. I mean, mm. or one pedal, I should say. It, it, gave me, it gave me mileage back. I mean, how much better does it get? What kind of a fool would, if I was, that's the worst time to drive a, a petrol car or a, you know, an ice vehicle. You can't, you can't win. It's not possible to win in, uh, in uh, bumper to bumper traffic. The gas gauge goes down and, and you just get, uh, you know, frustrated, but with driving in bumper to bumper traffic with, uh, with an electric vehicle or going downhill in an electric vehicle and you get this stuff back for free. That's where truckers, that's why, that's why diesel is going to vanish, vanish in a hurry. Anything that's going to be, uh, like uh, uh, 
east west kind of travel over the top of the mountains yeah the truckers are going to be uh oh well yeah we want that one (laughs) so so i guess from a from a unit economics perspective then tesla could be making so there's going to be a lot of demand for it obviously especially for the 300 mile sub sort of thing so theoretically there should be a lot of demand um is it is it unreasonable to expect for Tesla to be able to make, you know, charge about two to three hundred thousand for these things and make fifty percent plus margin on them, or are we thinking about this incorrectly? Gross margin, fifty percent gross, gross margin. margin. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I I see no reason why they couldn't make that happen because actually they could probably charge even more because once truckers find out about the advantages for electric vehicles, first off, just see the price of diesel. I don't know where it is where you live, but diesel is now to the point of being four sixty. Really? Yeah. That's cheap. It's five fifty over here. Texas, it's baby. It's five fifty right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um um uh, and and that's only I mean I love politics. I tell us all about it, Sandy. We have we have no re, we have no reserves left. I don't know. That was a yeah. great I mean, if I if if I was in the Democratic Party and I wanted to change everybody's mind about the cost of gasoline in the future, I'd have done exactly the same thing. <laughs> that was genius. That was genius. Deplete the reserves after the election. Everybody goes, hey, what the hell? Look at the price of gasoline. But it's too late. I'm already in. <laughs> yeah. I would have run as a Democrat this year. Anyhow, the at the, at the end of the day, gasoline, diesel fuel, all the stuff's going to go up and up. There's no, we, we have no choice. It has to go up. So is natural gas. We have no, we have no way of uh, of uh, of doing anything but that. And um, electricity is going to look like the golden opportunity uh, from a business standpoint <clears throat> if you're a trucker. Interesting. So it's it's going to be a forced transition through economics more than anything here, which is like really the the best way to have a transition in the end. It is the it's most the sticky. Only, the real transition will only no government has ever talked anybody into anything. For more than a couple of years, this transition is going to happen because economically, it's the right way to go. Makes that's, sense. That's what I say. Yeah, uh, Hans, go for it. So, yeah, I'm curious on. So we heard that Tesla's not making the current semi with 4680 batteries. So, a is that a surprise? Uh, what do you think they're using? Is it the 1865s or is it going to be the 2170s? And then, do you see that changing kind of? are they going to move to 4680s as they scale that up and do a structural battery pack? Mm, that's a, that's a, just a matter of, um, of um, being able to uh, produce product and, um, and which one makes the most sense as far as cost is concerned. Right now, scaling up the 4680s is, uh, is turned out to be um, a bit of an issue because They've got so many people that want that battery. So the demand is in the cars and those cars, um, they, they work, they, they work a lot better. Everybody that I know of that's got a model Y with 4680s in it is tap dancing all the way to the bank. They're happy, happy. Everything's good about the 4680s in the cars to put it into, uh, uh, the trucks, the big trucks. <clears throat> it depends on when the truck actually comes out and how quickly um you know tesla has ramped up the 4680 builds but 2170s they got tremendous i mean i mean there's nothing okay it's a little heavier 
um, and you uh, you get a little more um, power out of the 4680s, but so what? I don't need that as a truck driver. I, I just need to get from point A to point B, and I want it at a good price, and I don't want the batteries to die. 2170 works just fine. So I think that that's probably what they're gonna probably what they're gonna go for, and that's what most car companies are looking at anyways. With 4680. They might even drop down, although I doubt it. But it, they may even drop down to LFP batteries on on those uh, um, big rigs as well. Uh, it's hard to say. I don't. I don't. I haven't got a real good handle on uh, what could work because no one's ever really done the experiments. No, and that's. I mean, we're talking right now, but really, <clears throat> um, I'm speculating or guessing. Uh, I don't have good hard data in back of uh in back of this it's just based on my experiences in the past and um what i'm pretty sure about as far as what the future is going to look like Got it. Yeah. jordan go for it do you think there would actually be any benefit to a 4680 structural pack in the semi because i'm assuming it's like a, a yeah. body on frame design so would it yeah um yeah no 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 kidding the, the 4680 is a better way to go uh, it's going to give me more power. It's going to be lighter. It's going to be uh, more cost effective. Um, it's going to be longer life. It's going to be easier to cool. And 4680 is the way to go, period. That's why there's a whole bunch of guys in uh, China and in uh, Korea that are, are copying it right now. They're, they're doing everything they can. They've changed a little bit here and there, but it's basically the 4680 because that is a perfect form factor. When we were fooling around with... Um, I don't want to get into too much, but anyway, we were fooling around with battery uh, design. And um, and so we had um, a 5080. And, and it didn't quite get to where we were hoping it would get. But with a 46, by making it slightly smaller, it was easier to, it's easier to cool. I can pack them in tighter. I mean, this is just nothing but a big ass math problem. It's always the same thing. If you always can build it, break it down to mathematics um, or physics, you're in. It's uh, that's 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 how you do it. So. Sandy, I just came up with a new merch line for you guys. It's nothing but a big ass math problem. Get somebody on <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Nothing but a big. It's true. I mean, you think <laughs> about it. Um, now I, you know, I'm never going to be a a marriage counselor and uh, if you've got a love life problem you come to the wrong the wrong <laughs> store but uh, but but everything to me is just a math problem it's it always yeah. works out to whether it's electrics electronics cooling heating uh, mechanics i don't give a shit it doesn't matter it's always comes down to a math problem some are solvable and some have to be worked on and then they're solvable but all all problems Apart from, like I say, more emotion and all that crap. I if don't it's know. not human involved, oh, it's solvable. Yeah, yeah. There's no, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always humans involved. It's just that when they start going on about my cat got run over, my wife ran away. I don't care. Get out. It's still a math problem. <laughs> it's still a math problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to show up tomorrow? That's the math problem. Yeah. 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 Are you um? Are you surprised by the speed of uh? 
Tesla's, I guess not surprised, but what what are your thoughts around Tesla's current 4680 ramp altogether? So I think uh, it's been sort of a little bit well documented that, so at least on the earnings calls, it seems like one of the questions they always get is like, hey, 4680, it's going slower than it seems, it's going slower than it seems. And of course, it has a lot of challenges, but um, any thoughts around the how Tesla's progressing on that front? Personally, um, I think that um, they're changing the chemistry on the fly. Um, <clears throat> It's uh, uh, you saw our, our things when we tore apart the, the Tesla batteries that we had, the 4680s yep. we had. And um, we wound up with different results than, um, than the one that Galley sent off to uh, UCLA or wherever it was that they took it apart. We were talking about fume hoods and we'll do it outside and everybody has to be in a spacesuit and whatnot. Finally, we pulled the can to pieces and Nothing happened. And when we pulled it apart, it was a lot drier than I was anticipating. I mean, they call it a dry cell, but that's that's pretty dry. I think they're within spitting distance. Oh, little joke on on liquids. Uh. But anyways, spitting distance <laughs> of uh, of a uh, solid state battery. And it's certainly uh, when I went and looked at the guys' uh, battery packs, the solid state battery packs that uh, that that they did over at uh, QuantumScape. Um, and then I called, um, uh, I called them on it as well and said, Hey, this looks like a semi-solid state battery, not a solid state. Well, yeah. So that's kind of like what I looked at, but it's something, a semi, almost a semi-solid state battery. And I'm sure you're going to get a ton of viewers saying he's incorrect. And now let me talk. Okay, fine. Go whatever you want, but I'm looking at the comments right now, Sandy. I'll let you know. (laughs) Really? Okay, good. But anyway, what I'm seeing is that I think they're changing the chemistry. Uh, on the fly, on the hop. And I think they've got different batches that are out there to find out how did this work versus that. And um, and Tesla people or Tesla buyers, myself included, don't mind being part of the uh, grand experiment. I, uh, I mean, I'll tell my wife not to watch this program, but um, this year uh, my wife is gonna get a, um, a Model Y for Christmas. Ooh, that's right nice. and guess who's going to be the luckiest guy on the planet <laughs> this guy <Me>. right here <laughs> yeah exactly so that's kind of that's kind of like what i see and i want 4680s and i want it built in texas on and on i yeah. uh i think that my wife she likes the 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 rivian and she said that it's her car and everything but it's in my it's in my name but uh but she likes the model three better and i think she'll like the model y even better so interesting. Yeah. All I got to do now is get a connection with somebody at Tesla to try and uh, get one in a hurry because they told me it's going to take a year and a half or something. Wow. Well, I tagged okay. Elon on this on Twitter, so I'm sure he's watching. We got you. Oh, today. is he? Oh, excellent. Great. <laughs> Elon, can you help me out? <laughs> Not like Community. asking for a new rocket ship or anything. But, yeah. Go for it, Isha. Community, can one of you go change an entry in the database? <laughs> ah, there you go. Sandy, DM Farzad, your order number. <laughs> I don't work there oh, anymore. Okay. I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything. No, no, Farzad's got friends. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tap into everybody that I possibly can to, to see what I can, see what I can get. Yeah, for sure. Um, any questions from the panel along the lines of 4680? Um, 
Anybody have any questions around that, or should we? Uh, go ahead, Richard. Or answers. Actually, I'm I'm or back. Answers. I'm I'm way back. Uh, back in China, and I know you. you and you're not under oath. Just just so it's clear. Uh, and I was wondering, besides BYD, which I think makes about half their products are hybrid, so they're like half EVs, half hybrid. And I know there's Neo, Xiaopang, and Li. Any others that uh, you think are going to be competition for Tesla? Yes, I think that you're going to find that uh, Geely, they're the guys that make, they own Volvo. Um, they're they're going to be big into it. I think you're going to find that FAW um, is going to be competing in the truck industry, uh, plus the car industry. And there's also um, uh, Beijing Automotive. They're, uh, they're huge. They have tremendous amounts of assets and whatnot. So I think that they're going to be in there. I, and they're quite a... I mean, Neo and Shaping, uh, they get a lot of press, but uh, when you uh, when you uh, boil away the the ocean a little bit, you start to find out that there are bigger bigger companies than them. They're they're relatively small. Nice car though, I'm telling you. Uh, I worked on, or worked with, or trained, or whatever you want to call it, the uh, the guys over at uh, at Neo and Shaping, uh, but. But I think that there's tons of uh, opportunities for other car companies. They have. When I was there uh, the last time, which was in 2019, um, my speech was interrupted by um, by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> my dogs are very excited about oh, uh, yeah. Chinese car companies. They're agreeing oh, with oh, I knew it. I just yeah. knew it. I just knew it. But anyway, when I was there last, I... Um, uh, uh, my, I was supposed to be the keynote speaker, but I, I got bumped and, uh, and Chairman Xi came on and he said there was something like 650 car companies in China. You wanted to see it down to 350 in two years and then 150 down by uh, 2025 or 2028 or I can't remember. But anyways, a lot. That's still 150 car companies. Holy mackerel. hundred. We have two in the United States. Chrysler can't be counted because they're not a U.S. company. They, they may have been a U.S. company, but they're not. So we have two, and they have—they're trying to get to hundred, get down to hundred and fifty. There's going to be plenty of competition uh, coming out of China. Plenty. What do you see from Korea, and then also Polestar? Well, Polestar is owned by Volvo. Volvo is owned by Geely. There's two more car companies that are. Uh, there's two more car badges that I can't talk about, but they're going to be coming out of uh, Norway and Sweden as well. Same sort of a deal, same by Geely. Geely um, had an operation that they were going to try and ramp up here in the U.S. And um, basically Trump ran them out, luckily maybe, but I don't think so. And um, and so I think you're, you're going to see that Geely will be entering the market. Um, and probably they, they probably bought the land that they need. Uh, I know that they've still got some operation in California and I know that they've got something going on in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. So, uh, they're not, they're not going to be sitting on their hands. Another one we haven't even talked about, uh, as far as, uh, as far as, uh, you know, really good EVs is, uh, Hyundai and Kia. That, mm. Those are the damn good looks cars. Good. Yeah, they look yeah. good, but even better than that, they 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 perform well. Um, so I've been pushing. Um, I, I've said in the past that you know Polestar and um, and uh, the Mustang, if you're looking for a car and uh, blah blah whatever, 
But what I haven't, because uh, uh, we haven't quite done all of the things we'd like to do, that's coming up real soon. But I think that when we get a hold of um, get a hold of a couple of Hyundai's uh, and start carrying them into them, I think we're going to find that they're leaving a lot of other people in the dust, and uh, that's a fact. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting that. But the other one that uh, nobody's nobody even knows about, I guess, is Vinfast. These guys. These guys have an 8 million square foot factory in Vietnam. They're cranking out cars that are really, really nice. I went to Vietnam. I got a chance to drive them. I watched what they were doing and how they were doing it. I, uh, I was really impressed, especially with the VF9. The VF8 is kind of, it's kind of a nice vehicle, but the VF9, I think, is going to have... Um, uh, they're going to they're going to they're going to be kicking some serious ass when they bring these things to the states and they're building their factory in North Carolina right this very second. So apart from some of the other like BYD has operations here, but they they make uh, uh, electric buses and things like that. That's another one that probably will enter into the class eight marketplace with um and probably build them. They 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 built one factory, they they twinned it, and now they're talking about twinning it again. So that would be from one to two to four factories. And if they're doing that, my guess is that they'll be going to be getting into the class eight business real soon, and maybe start producing enough here in the U.S. that uh, like they build a maybe they build a body, and then ship over the batteries. Some Chinese companies are going to be building are going to be building the, the cars in China and then shipping over here to try and, uh, to try and uh, fill them up with batteries. And one of the guys that, uh, that's out there that could do this kind of stuff is Arnex Energy, uh, Mujib Ijaz, um, that's his company. And uh, they just got about a billion two or something like that to, to ramp up their LFP batteries. But I don't need a rocket ship if I'm a grandma. Well, I'm a grandpa. Actually, I'm going to get another another grandchild so soon. Like, Congratulations! Uh, nice. Yes, that's awesome. So yeah, wow. in about two weeks. Just wow, before, uh, yeah, it's already timed. Kids today yeah. already timed. <laughs> that's that's great. I mean, used to be roll the bones in the olden days. But anyways, I think that uh, I think that we're going to find more and more that there's going to be surprises that are going to come out of left field, and they are just going to take market share from. Like I mentioned, Toyota, Volkswagen, GM, all the big noises are that's where that's where they're going to they're going to take a bite out of them. It's going to be like a thousand piranhas um, on a cow. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for these guys. Very yeah. tough. Let's let's do uh, Hans and then Ishan and then Richard, because I see everybody's uh, off mute. Go for it, Hans. Yeah, so. On that topic and tying into some of the things that we've already talked about, it seems like we're seeing a little bit of pushback in the Senate on the EV bill and that they're wanting to reduce the amount of domestic production limitations that are on the bill and then push out timelines. And one can only wonder if that is coming partially from GM trying to buy themselves more time. And do you think that basically they're going to, in trying to buy themselves more time, they're actually going to create more opportunity for more foreign automakers to capitalize on more of the domestic credits and basically kill themselves. That's precisely what happened during the Japanese invasion. 
exactly that. They tried everything they could, and all they did was lose face with the American people. Now, you have to remember, um, the war ended in 1945, and people like my dad's age, uh, now my dad fought on the European front, but a lot of people that I knew fought on the Japanese front or the Eastern front. And there was a lot of bad talk and a lot of, I'll never buy one of those cars ever in a million. But guess what? When, when it came right down to it, GM especially started to look really bad because their product was crap. The prices were outrageous. And, and, and the Toyota guys, I mean, you meet the nicest people in a Honda. That wasn't the, that wasn't the, I mean, I can remember one, I can't remember which one it was, but buy a whatever with road hugging weight. You need road hugging weight. You need to get a bigger engine at eight miles a gallon. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot every time and they, they, they got, they got the U S government to help them out. And uh, it worked for a while when, uh, when Carter was in, but then we got into a gigantic recession and um, yeah, the rest is history. And so now you see the biggest car company on the planet, which used to be General Motors, is now Volkswagen, is now Toyota, and that's what happened, and it's going to happen again. I mean, people who don't read history books are doomed to repeat the mistakes, and that's kind of like what's going on right now. This is as clear as anything to me because I lived through it. Um, and like I said, we don't. They're tra- they're creating a Chinese animosity, but we we never went to war with China. There was no atrocities uh, that the uh, the Chinese ever uh, pulled on us. <laughs> but I can tell you what: if if my relatives were all from Canada or Britain, and uh, they had plenty of stories about Hong Kong and being captured and Burma and all these other horrible things that happened. And if you really wanted to hear horror stories. Like when I was a kid, I worked on both sides of the border um, at machine tool companies. Go and walk around in the plants and talk to some of the guys that uh, that were, uh, you know, Iwo Jima or any of the, or worse yet, the Philippines. Holy moly. I, if I discounted 50% and just said it was a lie, period, um, it still was eight, 10 times worse than anything I could ever dream up in my worst nightmares. And I think that what's going to happen is, yes, government will go and get involved and yeah, they're going to do everything they can to try and keep out the tide, but it, it is the tide and it just doesn't work. You can't, you can't make anything work when public opinion goes against the way we're doing things right now. And the public opinion on ICE vehicles right now is, more than 50%. And uh, as old guys die and um, or as uh, new people come into the buying market, it's just going to fade away. Just like what happened in the late 70s and early 80s. Wow. 
it's almost like the 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 human sent sentiment version of mother nature like it's happening regardless right and you just yeah. have to figure out how to wait through it exactly yeah. exactly right. yeah um ishan go for it yeah so uh speaking of the chinese invasion uh one thing that we've seen is that uh there is a segment of vehicles uh on the smaller side that are getting popular in china i'm, I'm not talking about that matchbox car uh wooling right uh, but then uh in china and then uh in india where you know i'm from india and uh we recently had a very decent 10000 ev uh launched by tata it's going to be you know delivery start i think jan next year so uh we have started to see even if at a lower volume these vehicles come out at you know 10 15 20 uh saic you know uh, through their brand mg it sells a 30000 uh vehicle the mg zs ev and it's a brilliant car i mean you know i can't find anything wrong with it so uh, we already see vehicles at this price point like you know the delta's probably uh 5 7000 uh dollars within a within the price point that we are talking about uh how do you see uh this larger i would say uh a lot of other car companies not just tesla and byd etc contribute to uh the entire ecosystem of driving the you know uh prices down that a retail customer can then buy, get into an ev for this is the big opportunity tata by the way um was our customer for a long time we actually worked on the nano uh we actually helped reduce the cost of that so tata has been a customer of monroe for since like 2012 or something like that a, a long time anyway and uh, so i am familiar with some of the cars that uh, that are being put out uh, not just by tata but also mahindra mahindra um actually one of my favorite cars is the quid <laughs> i mean i i know they 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 couldn't get homologation or crash worthiness and whatnot but it's a great car <laughs> sells for 7 grand holy sh- i mean are you kidding Do you know how many people would buy that if they could get it over here? Well, that's where we got rules and regulations to keep um to keep countries like India or products like the Quid out of their market. The other thing that you're looking at is is the um there's a we call them K vehicles in um at at Ford. And these are smaller vehicles. Smaller than a class 1. um and these vehicles um work fine in europe but for some reason or other we can't have them here uh and the reason for that is probably because the big vehicle companies don't want to see them so they can't compete with them at all i think that there's going to be a slight problem there's going to be uh there's going to be these vehicles um they're they're going to want in and we're not going to be able to say no because we want something from them in china we need a lot of stuff that they produce i can i can really, i i know there's a lot of guys in in washington that pound their chest and say we're going to do this we're going to do that but at the end of the day uh there's nobody here that can produce the stuff uh batteries being one of them we can't we can't produce fast enough simply because there's government rules and regulations about 
mining materials and um, and refining is even worse. And uh, and then you've got you've got these great big giant companies that are continuously trying to hold back any sort of an invasion. They may not remember it in detail, but they do remember that once upon a time there was no no Tesla car company, uh, and they don't want that to happen again. So I think that um, as we move into uh, as we move into electrification, these small car companies are, are sorry, let me rephrase that because Tata is huge, not small at all. But there's they're they're producing electric cars that I think Americans would want to buy, and uh, it's not like they're junk. Uh, the uh, the stuff that's the first thing that comes out is all oh, these things are just going to fall apart right before your eyes. They said it about uh, Japanese cars. They said it about the Korean cars. They said it about the Chinese cars, and they said it about the Indian cars. And guess what? It's always the same. It's marketing. It's like you want to have a, a campaign, a marketing campaign. Go and talk to Harvard. That they'll they'll help you out. They know how to mm, stir up the anti sediment. Oh, oh, oh no, it's double. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh Harvard's lawyer. I'll just shoot myself later on. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, these are all these all come from from marketing. It's just crap. It's baloney. They don't take any cars apart. They don't know what's inside. They've never tested drove them or nothing else like that. Their job is to try and kill sales. And that's, that's, uh, I guess it's a job, but not for me. So go ahead. Harvard, anyway, man. I, I think, <laughs> I think that, um, I think that uh, the, um, I think that the, um, the Tata vehicle based on what I saw is going to be, it'll be great in the, uh, in the Indian market. Um, well, let me rephrase that. As long as India can continue to make, um, and you're, for, for those that are, are adverse to this, you block your ears right now, but um, they, uh, in India, they're gonna need uh, more nuclear reactors. And that is a fact. Um, they, uh, that's the only place that they're gonna get power. There's no hydroelectric power. There's no chance that they uh, can uh, pull enough natural gas out of the dirt but uh, but with nuclear power, uh, and by the way, for those who want to go and write you a nasty gram, uh, France is like ninety percent nuclear, maybe a little less now that they put up a lot of a lot more windmills. But they uh, the only guys that really don't like uh, look nuclear is Germany, and they should have been involved. <clears throat> but Britain put up three new plants here in the last five or eight years uh, and yeah. we're still yeah, I believe oh, no. there's deep partnerships between India and France on nuclear power. Yes. And if we get any nuclear reactors over here that are using uranium, then I think we should just buy them from France. Um, but I, that's just me. What do I know? And by the way, Monroe is working on two portable nuclear reactors, but they don't use uranium. They use thorium. So there you go. Whoa. Thorium is a lot less uh, exciting. Can they be deployed in India? India is like the world capital of thorium, right? Is it? Well, then in that case, um, I will, uh, I will notify. <laughs> I'll notify our customers. <laughs> I think first they need to get them. Uh, there's a lot of thorium in India, from what I hear. There's a lot of it right here in the United States as well. The um, the badlands that go between um, mm -hmm. 
Canada, the United States, between Wyoming and um, and uh, North Dakota, and uh, if you go north, that would be Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. That that can't grow anything. It's like not even tumbleweed grows there, but uh, but there's plenty of thorium, there's plenty of lithium, lots of lots of materials there. But there's a lizard, some some sort of a prized lizard. <laughs> can't, Crazy. can't dig, yeah. Richard, go for it. Yeah. So first of all, you're an icon in the industry, and it is a pleasure being able to hear from you, really. So I just oh, want to let you know that. Um, and bef before I, I'd ask you to comment kind of on the importance of battery, battery recycling in the future uh, for mm -hmm. EVs and how you kind of see that business developing over the future. Before you comment on that, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the American EV companies and whether you sure. thought they will produce cars and be successful. And the two I was going to ask you about were Lucid and uh, Fisker. Yes and no. Uh, I think Lucid's got a really good um, opportunity to make things happen. Fisker. Um, uh, okay, so they have they have a really good um a really well-known company that they're working with in uh meg magna is uh, they 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 call themselves everybody else is a tier one but they're a tier 0.5 they already build cars they know how to build cars they know how to make things happen and as long as mr fisker doesn't have anything to do with the car company uh they'll survive as soon as he shows up not so much so um but but uh, I also uh, know Peter Rollinson well, not as a you know a drinking buddy or something, but as a, as an engineer, and um, and there you go, triple. Well, that's good. How many are they making? One hundred fifty thousand a year. Uh, so they're yeah. probably going to be uh, there. The that's a that's a big number. But Magna is like phenomenal. They uh, they built cars for Mercedes, BMW, um, Chrysler, um, lots of different companies, and they're very very good. And if they say they can build 150, then that's that. But if, um, if Mr. Fisker gets involved, then uh, all bets are off. He has to be kept away from anything. That's the reason that uh, none of the other car companies came to fruition. He's already had like four car companies. I, and to me, it's like, I cannot understand how people can reach into their pockets and uh, and fund another something when so many of his products have failed. I mean, and now, like I say, getting out of, he's out, Magna's in, that might happen. But I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that, um, that Lucid is gonna do just fine. And on the battery recycling, how, what, how do you see that industry developing and, and how would you kind of state the import to kind of the growth of EVs in general? The biggest problem, I've talked to several different uh, companies that do recycling and they're getting about 95% of whatever they can uh, back. Okay, so there's about 5% of waste that they can't do anything with. Um, the biggest problem they've got is there isn't enough batteries to recycle. There's too many recyclers and not enough batteries. So um, 
going out there and killing batteries is not as easy as what maybe Wall Street has said there was going to be. Um, it's they last a long time. These things are not, uh, you know, dying by the millions. I heard a, uh, a lady gave some sort of a um, her, her views on what was going on with uh, batteries and how, you know, how evil they are. Well, uh, I think it's crap um, because she was saying things like, um, she was saying things like, we can't, um, you know, what are we going to do? And they're going to go into a, a, a great big giant rat hole that, uh, that um, and millions are being, are dying every year. That's not possible. They're not dying. And, but it, what is dying is the recyclers who said, hey, I put the money in. Where's all these dead batteries I can get my hands on? They aren't dying. They're not dying fast enough. We have to go and shoot a few. It's going to be like, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything more stupid, but, but there's nothing. I, I mean, the batteries are really rugged. We've, we've torn everybody's apart. Granted, uh, you know, uh, LG had some little problems there and, uh, GM and yak yak. I mean, there's a lot of people have problems, but eventually they get solved. It's just another math problem. That's all. That's all yeah. it is. Another math problem. Jordan, do you want to comment on it? Yeah. So as Sandy said, these batteries last a long time. A lot of the, the recycling that you do is actually scrap material from the factories and then batteries that, you know, yeah. whatever your battery supply was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. So I think it's going to continue to be like five to 10% of the materials we get come from recycling as we're moving up this scaling curve over the, like mm -hmm. the next decade. Uh, but after that, that's where it becomes really interesting where you, um, you have most of the vehicles transitioned, uh, to, uh, batterized vehicles. Uh, and then you have this supply of raw materials that you just keep recycling and it's going to drive down the cost of those batteries because right. the recycled materials are going to be cheaper. And uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be important uh, over the next five to 10 years. But next decade is where I'm really excited about it. Uh, we right. won't have to get as much nickel, um, for instance, from other places or lithium. Lithium is the is the one that is really a problem. And by the way, I don't know if you heard, but. Canada just told uh, China that they have to divest from three of the uh, lithium mines and refiners. So, so that'll help us uh, out here a little bit in the United States. Um, but um, nickel, nickel's relatively simple. Wow, there you go. You just got a, your handle on everything. I'm a fast yeah. typer. What can I say? <laughs> I guess. I, I can't type that fast. I, by now, I would have been able to spell my name. But anyways, I see um, I see uh, this and cobalt, like lithium and cobalt. <laughs> By the way, to show you what a bad Canadian am I, I didn't know there was a there was a city named cobalt in uh, in, in Ontario that uh, that's all they did. I mean, how do we miss that one? But anyways, I think that uh, the bringing back of uh, lithium from existing uh, or existing batteries and whatnot in about 10 or 15 years, that's going to be a significant amount. And there'll probably be, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm reclaiming this stuff, I don't think I'd sell it. I think I'd go into the battery building business because um, I mean, I'd be getting, people would be paying me to take away the batteries 
then I extract the uh, the most expensive um, um, you know uh, materials that I'd need, and why shouldn't I go and put them into my own batteries? I mean, this is uh, this looks like to me, anyways, a good place to invest if you're you know young like you guys. If I'm, I'm hoping to get through for about another six months, anyway. So. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I would I would be investing heavily into uh, you know long term ten years kind of a thing. Uh, ten years uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be the business to be uh, a shareholder in. Got it. Stock sure to go for it. Yeah, uh, with what Sandy was saying about why sell this material off to other people, I think that's what JB Straubel is going to do with Redwood Materials. He's already yeah, so talking about taking that uh, material and uh, creating finished products with it. And basically what Tesla has been doing is they've been moving from like the vehicle upstream into the supply chain, whereas Redwood is going to go the opposite direction. They're going to start with those raw materials and work their yeah. way um, through the value chain to producing batteries and packs. So, yeah. Hey, aren't, didn't those guys used to get along, Elon and on our mind? Oh, I won't get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, hey, something you, there. North, There's something there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Be both rich by the time we get to the other side of the planet. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very certain that this is the kind of stuff that's going to be happening. And like I said, I I listen to lots of authorities, and I I just don't know how they got to where they got to. To me, this is all obvious, and it's certainly not the horror story that they keep pushing down our throats. So. How much of this sort of development is uh, crucial for the scaling of that cheaper vehicle, which is going to dramatically increase the the, the number of vehicles on the road that are EV, or is it is it independent? Is does it have to? It's a more long term this sort of recycling it's question. Long, How do you think yeah, about that? It's more long term. I think that um, it's more long term. We we have enough available materials right now, and there's always going to be the the same sort of a deal. Um, you're you're going to have you're going to have the ability to get cheaper recycled materials, but then people are also going to want virgin stock as well, and they'll mix it together. So I think that done 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 yeah da, da, da. <laughs> yeah we all know who that is. Anyways, <laughs> should I bring um, on my guitar? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I think that I think that there's going to be uh, uh, plenty of opportunities, and as ice goes away and EVs move up. Um, you're going to see things scrapping out at, at a much more furious rate. I think you're going to see ice disappear almost as fast as horses. And that's wow. a fact. Yeah. Wow. Um, we were talking about everything's a math problem. If you were to put your, this is probably a very hard question, and this is sort of, I guess, to you and, and Jordan both. Like, if you're trying to estimate the per year production that can be sustained by the say the 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 next like the supply chain capabilities for the say through the end of 2030 what do you do you really think it can support sort of the 50 percent or even 60 percent um uh, of total new units produced that year to be ev or do we still you still think we need some some insane changes in how we're approaching it or, or are we trending towards that uh end goal um sort of yeah. how we expected it. I don't know if that well, makes sense, but yeah. yeah. I uh, So in um, 2019, I said that 
uh, 50%, the watershed is going to be in 2030. I've moved that back to 2028. And people are telling me that I should be a little more optimistic. I, I think it's going to happen a lot faster as soon as gasoline gets to uh, uh, the real price. And uh, the real price is going to be enough that the American buying public is going to say enough's enough. I'm out of here. And that's what's going to happen, really and mm -hmm. truly. The economy is the economics behind all this is just going to just going to kill the uh, the ice vehicles. So I I believe that yes we'll be able to see that and more because as we move into electric vehicles, they're going to have um, an ability to satisfy a market that mm, really is ignored right now. So the African nations, the um, India, India and uh, Pakistan and um, um, a bunch of the other different countries out there. I was going to say Vietnam, but they're already away at everybody. But I think that this is going to open up uh, a market for uh, for these countries that have been underserved, I think is the best way to do it from the ice products because gasoline is so absolutely, or diesel fuel, whatever, petrol, has been absolutely without a doubt the limiting factor for uh, for these countries. And as you move forward to uh, uh, EVs, everything, and I mean it sincerely, everything is going to become cheaper and easier so that these countries that have been left behind in the past will be able to catch up and, and uh, well, just catch up, period, to where we are right now in uh, what they like to call the first world countries. There's yeah. no reason in the world why we shouldn't be seeing the same sort of economic growth as what China. I mean, people forget China was a rat hole uh, not so long ago. And now look, you, I'm telling you, you go to Shanghai. That's what New York wishes it was. That place is spectacular. The buildings are just to die for. The river is perfectly pristine, clean. People are going up and down there all night long with these party boats and whatnot. It's fabulous. Fabulous. Shenzhen. I mean, any of these, except I'm not really a big fan. I'm not a big, big fan of Beijing, but hey, you know what? Everywhere else in China, it really looks nice, really nice. And not so long ago, it wasn't so nice. I mean, people lived in huts and uh, things fell down and uh, they'd have plagues that would wipe out tens of thousands they had to cut down the number of kids and all that. now i mean it's a whole lot different and i think that that same sort of change is going to happen with um like i say um the guys that are second tier right now i think that they're going to uh, they're going to get uh, the boost that they need and it's going to be through electric vehicles yeah far as that i i don't know yeah. it's it kind of in the same light uh, I think there was, at least I heard about, that Elon was interviewed or gave an interview to the G20 either yesterday or today. And That's right. it, during the interview, he referenced the $20,000 vehicle. That was, that was 20, my 20000 Oh, really? Yeah, 20000 was the figure I saw. Whoa. I, I did wow. not hear the interview. That's to produce, right? Let me see if I can pull it up. Oh, to produce. Um, 20000 That's he's Nah, he's... 
he's lying again. He could probably produce <laughs> for, about, for about 18 grand, 15, 18 grand. He's, he's just, uh, that's just to make the other guys think that maybe they, they'd have a chance in the not too distant future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To produce is one thing. Selling and producing is different, different numbers. Yeah. So actually, this might be a, a perfect segue for uh, one of the videos that. So you're familiar with Doctor Know It All, Sandy? Um, yeah. Uh, John, yeah. yeah. So didn't you ever guy. see? I took my shirt off in a bar and gave it to him. That's right. Yeah, did I know? Oh him. I mean, my we're god! Like blood brothers. Holy actually, shit. you know what caused that? I gotta <laughs> tell you. Please. <laughs> that was, that was um, the guys from Aptera got me to start drinking. Uh, normally I just drink scotch and beer and sometimes wine, but that's pretty much what I do. Right. And the guys at Aptera got me to start drinking. Um, what the hell is that? Margaritas. Okay. Oh yeah. Tequila baby. And the next thing I knew yeah. I was stripping <laughs> in a, in a bar. I mean, what the hell? Literally, that? not no figuratively, wonder. literally. Oh, put an umbrella in here. We'll give them to the ladies. Uh, I know what's going on now. If I, if I was taking my clothes <laughs> and people were applauding and everybody was thinking him damn things. So, uh, so now I know. I know now. There you go. Because you're a man of the people, Sandy. Come on now. You're a man of the yeah, people. Of the you know, people. you want to you yeah. want to hack actually for margaritas, not to like derail this conversation <laughs> completely. But uh, mezcal, like uh, do mar do uh, tequila and mezcal. Mezcal is a little bit smoky. If you like a smoky yeah, yeah. flavor, yeah, it's, uh, right, it well, takes it to the next level. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it. So take your pants might that. come off with that. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to shut up now. That's okay. already uh, happened. Too late. <laughs> come on. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Twenty five thousand dollar car. Twenty thousand. Here we go. So, Hans, set the stage for us here um this is a doctor know-it-all video uh i think you have the timestamp for me queued up and maybe uh, give us a little bit of color because this is going to be this is going to be obviously incredibly this is the how we get to the 50 100 ev market share is we need cheaper vehicles so um hans go ahead and give us some color and then i'll, I'll play it from the timestamp yeah so john had come up with just thought through the design process of what a 20000 or $25,000, whatever the next generation car might look like um, back in 2020. And then he resurfaced this video here um, just this week of just going through his thought process in that. And so he put together just a little mock-up um, in a little 3D rendering program of what his thought processes were. And so he's kind of thinking probably go with Cybertruck style manufacturing process, use the 30X steel and fold it. Um, and so, and then he, he makes some interesting design decisions on the passenger placement. So anyways, I was just curious, yeah, if we look at what he's thinking in this, uh, his design thought process, what your feedback for that would be. And yeah. then if we look for, you know, what might be some of the other options for producing a car in that price point. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Um, how long, how long did you want me to go in and Hans, maybe like a few minutes, you know, how long uh, we want to go in? Yeah. Just walk through until we kind of get an idea of what the, what the overall vehicle looks like. Okay, cool. If, if I, if you look, if it seems like I'm going too far, just give me a signal. I'll be on the lookout. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. I'm probably going to go on mute so I don't double audio this thing. And then if I know how to use my computer and then we'll get started. Here we go. Share. Yeah. And then we'll come back and I'll talk. Whoops. 
This is not it. Look at this. You guys thought I knew I've how never to use seen a computer. That. Wait, that's a, like two mirrors. I mean, holy mackerel. It's the Matrix. It's the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let me try again. There we are. Process again. Now that I've talked a little bit about the design process, let's take a look at the outcome. So mm -hmm. <laughs> as you notice, it actually, because of random things, it actually ended up taking a lot of cues from the Cybertruck. So it kind of looks like that. It looks like a, a smaller version of it, but there are significant differences. So certainly there is 30X stainless steel with straight edges. So everything can be bent and shaped very easily out of very few pieces of steel. It's got a nearly symmetrical wing shape. So the air kind of flows over the top and it flows back down the end. So you don't have that kind of classic, like small car, like flat back where it, the, you get a lot of vortices. And that is afforded by the fact that the rear passengers are facing towards the rear instead of towards the front. And there's two in each one. This particular angle doesn't show them both, but there are two drive, two a driver, passenger, passenger, passenger. So there's four people in the car. Uh, the storage, because of the way that these people are sitting, the storage is actually placed between the passengers here. Notice that there is a rear-facing rear door for ease of entry, so that should be relatively easy. It's more or less symmetrical with the front door, just a little bit shorter. There's also a very low clearance flat bottom for improved aerodynamics, right? So the air is essentially, the idea is to make the air flow around this as laminarly as possible. Moving on here to a semi-transparent view where you can see a little bit better. There's a front crumple zone that's built in. There's a single motor here. You can't really see it, but it's basically right near where the axle is, which is more or less the way the Model 3 and the Model Y look right now. There's a single piece roll cage. So if you go back to here, you can see this a little bit better, but this is a single piece here. And so the roll cage is extra strong because of that. The top doesn't have a sunroof. That's also a single piece. So you create a kind of a shell here, which makes it very, very strong. There's a rear crumple zone. You also have rear airbags facing towards the back. So in case there's a rear on collision, the passengers will have airbags that will come out and help them. Uh, also run flat tires. There's not enough room to put a spare in a compact car. So you add run flat tires, which are more expensive, but they're certainly a huge advantage because you don't have to worry about a flat so much. Again, the storage is between the passengers here with the seats up and there are four passengers <clears throat> in here. There's still quite a bit of room for uh, storage there. And finally, there's a 50 kilowatt hour battery approximately. Again, maybe you could get away with a little bit smaller one if you're only looking for a 400 kilometer range. And finally, here's a close-up of the back seat where the seat is actually pulled out. So again, the seat pulls forward like this, and then this seat folds or flips down like this. So it slides back and down, not folded on top. So it gives you extra room in terms of storage space. And again, I my thought is that you would have something like a yeah, that's the bulk of all the design decisions that he thought through right there. So what are you thinking, Sandy? <laughs> okay, so the government won't let you have rear-facing seats. If we could have done that, we would have been doing it a lot more, um, especially when you got into, uh, for lack of a better word, SUVs and station wagons. Um, they don't like them. Um, they just don't like them. So getting just past that would be more than enough to uh, to uh, unfortunately kill the uh, kill the deal right from the get go. Um, the uh, using uh, using stainless steel um, is a nice idea for the Cybertruck, but it's not cheap. 
stainless steel is like uh, more expensive than aluminum and quite a bit heavier. I, uh, I think that if I was going to design a car that uh, I wanted to produce by the millions, uh, and that's kind of like the only way to get down to those kind of numbers, I would probably have something a lot more conventional looking. Um, and, um, and by the way, uh, I know a fair amount about airplanes as well. And, and, um, uh, having, uh, having something that looks like a wing might, uh, might be a bit of an issue. I've never seen a car, uh, in a chamber that looked like that, uh, like a wind tunnel. But, um, um, my first reaction is I wonder if I'm going to get lift and if I am, uh, then, uh, then I got real issues. I I'd rather have turbulence than a lift. Um, the, at the end of the day, everybody's got a concept and, and whatnot. But if, uh, if, if I was going to design uh, the cheapest possible car, I could, I probably, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't pick, uh, an exoskeleton, uh, for my, unless I was using carbon fiber, but then Carbon fiber doesn't really work out well when you get to millions of product. Uh, you have to, um, you have to. There's a whole bunch of things you have to take into consideration, and and everything's a trade-off when you when you design a car or an airplane. Um, they, they, you have to trade off the differences between how much does this cost versus that. You you trade off look uh, looks and um, and features to get to where you need to get to, and usually it takes. Uh, yeah, we it, those are called charrettes. I don't know if you ever heard that term, but you get a bunch of people in a room that have got a whole bunch of different ideas. Everybody kind of like argues for two weeks, and then you wind up with something that nobody is hundred percent happy with, but everybody is ready to go on. And that's kind of how it would work. And I I'm not hundred percent sure, but I I do know that. Rear facing seats would be great, but I don't think I don't think the government's gonna allow it. Nishta will uh, kill that right there. So that's um, that's un unfortunate. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer. I it was so much fun. Can we go back to uh, can we go back to Richard and talk about Harvard and lawyers again? That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no, go I, for it. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. Uh, so, Sandy, just to follow up on uh, that, two questions actually. One, uh, the let's say uh, this vehicle potentially will serve primarily as an urban vehicle, so uh, with potentially lower range requirements as well. So, what kind of a battery pack size? And Jordan, this goes for you as well. You know, uh, could we do with potentially a thirty thirty five uh, kilowatt hour pack instead of you know fifty or higher, uh, and then with tesla's technologies uh with you know fsd um and you know crash safety predictive crash safety essentially coming in yeah. uh where the idea is that don't get into a crash if somebody's going to crash into you uh yeah. you know get away from there uh yeah. could potentially some of these uh things for example uh where you know we the car doesn't have to be structurally as uh rigid as today or potentially a rear passenger seat, uh, you know, could face the other way. And uh, NHTSA is hopefully okay with that. Could we go towards a world like that where uh, this is being uh, sort of factored in that the sheer number of crashes and the intensity of crashes will potentially go down? 
Okay, so I am a big fan of a city car, a car that is not allowed on the expressway. And uh, the reason for that is because I believe that we could get away with maybe a 25 to 35 kilowatt hour battery. And the reason for that is because, I, as I mentioned, I drove um, from Windsor all the way home and I gained, I gained miles because of regen. When you get into city driving, um, you, you get an advantage that you're never going to get out of an ICE vehicle ever, never, ever, 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 never. And if I was going to do that, why do I need anything that looks aerodynamic? I don't. I would just make some kind of a box and, um, and that would be uber cheap to manufacture. I'd have as much storage as I want. I could put the seats wherever I want them. And quite frankly, if I got self-driving, why wouldn't I be able to turn the seats around and everybody can face whatever direction they want? I think that really and truly the, the, the car of the future is going to kind of look like a boring, but it's going to be looking like a, like a square box. And you've got room that you can put your luggage and whatnot in in the front and the back. You can even, if you, if you want to turn uh, things around and, and have it so the seats face in the wrong direction. I had kids. I I don't like that idea from that standpoint as well. <laughs> I don't know what's going on back there, but it's going to be trouble. Anyhow, I think it's going to be a much, much simpler vehicle with a much smaller battery than we're used to. And that's my idea of a city car. I believe that I believe that um that that we can get that done in no time flat. And I believe that it should be something for the LA's, the New York Cities, the uh, every every congested town we've got, Atlanta, whatever, all over the place that should be, but it, but not, not a, uh, uh, not a uh, a highway kind of a vehicle. Is this so? One of the one of the things that I've been speculating about, and because what I'm trying to figure out is is the the cheaper car and the robo taxi the same thing? That's that's really one of my biggest sort of like. Like what mm. is Tesla's sort of strategy here? And when you describe the sort of the box and you can do whatever you want thing, it sort of like ties back. This is a render that Tesla created. When I click on it, it like does something stupid. So I'm just going to keep it here. Um, this is a render that I think, I can't remember if it was for Boring Company or SpaceX. I think it was Boring Company, but this is sort of like one of the mock-ups they use, but this is not too far away from what you just described. I think, yeah. you know, it might not be glass or whatever, but it's a box. You can fully customize the interior to uh, whatever yeah. use case you might want to do. Um, so is this possible at 20,000? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how many seats it's got and things like that, but I'd be more inclined to look at something like this as opposed to any of the other pictures you've got here. Why do I mm -hmm. need a sloping hood if, I'm, if I've got a city car? Why, why do I need anything like that? There's no reason. There's none. That's only for aerodynamics. If I'm in a city, there are no aerodynamic advantages until you get to above 50, 50 miles an hour. Aero means zip, nothing. So um, what you see there in the upper right is pretty much, uh, pretty much what I would go for. I would even yeah. make it more boxy than that, simply because I don't, I don't need to have any. It's if it's a taxi. I mean, the, the, the most successful taxi, as far as I'm concerned, is a London cab. And they're nothing to look at, and that's for sure. But there's plenty of room inside. I mean, it's great. Fabulous, uh, fabulous room. People are happy. There you go. 
And when you, is there one with the doors open? That's what really makes yeah. it fun. Let me see. Uh, when care, you can see, and it's made for handicap and all kinds of stuff. These, there you go. So, um, so if you look maybe right there where you've got the cursor or that okay. one, one of, one of the other, if you can click on that one, bring it up. Um, <clears throat> ah. Okay. So there you go. There you've got rear seat, rear facing seats. You've got access way that uh, if you want a, a person, a handicapped person can get in there with a wheelchair. I mean, this is made for, for the environment. Now, all you got to do is see where they've got the, uh, the windshield there. Um, just move the windshield forward because you know what? I don't need, I, I don't need that big box in the front. I, I don't have an engine, so I can do whatever I want. And this is the kind of thing that we, I think is going to be coming up soon. And I'm, I wouldn't dream. I, you know what? If you cut this thing right in half, just slice it right down the middle and put the front and the rear as uh, symmetrically opposite pieces and push them together, there's your car. I think mm. that, that that would be, that's what I would do. I would cut it at the B pillar and I would move the rear of the car and the front of the car look exactly the same. And then I could get, if I wanted to, I could get a dozen people in there. This would be the perfect little limo, whatever, for getting people around in the city. Would I put it on the expressway? No, it, it wouldn't make it anyways. I couldn't, I'd never talk, uh, I'd never talk Nishta into that. But if you take that thing, cut it in half, glue the rear end to the front end, and bingo, we've got our, we have our new vehicle and everybody's gonna be happy. And the suicide doors, man, bull. They, there's no such thing. They're not suicide doors. They're opera doors. And put that in there, and people could get in and out easily. Got plenty of room for uh, for seats. Uh, lots of room for baggage, luggage, whatever. I came when I when I go to London. <clears throat> I bring my uh, if I'm going to be there for any length of time. I have this uh, massive suitcase that not any uh, baggage handler could possibly break. It's got two, three great big clamps on it that hold it shut. And I can get that thing in there, no problem whatsoever. Um, I love those things. Uh, we don't have them too much over here, but I like them over there. And one of the reasons is it's got a rear-facing seat. So mm. kind of kills it right from the get-go. How would Sorry, you build that body, yeah. Sandy? Would you use just aluminum Damn. traditional construction, or would you try yeah. and do a casting? No, I would just... Oh, a casting for the lower area. Yes, I would do that because I'd want to um, I'd want to take advantage of the, uh, um, you know, the build strategy that you can get from a casting. So the bottom would be um, uh, a casting. And the top would be just simple stampings. And I'd make it so that it was symmetrically opposite. So everyone every time I hit one, boom, it could be a front. It could be a back. It could be a, a front door or a rear door. It would be exactly the same. Exactly. Everything would be identical um or yeah identical and my symmetrically opposite would be it just happened to be turned around they would be symmetrical but when you glued them together they would be symmetrically opposite yeah so and that's where you can really lower the price a lot the back end of a car is much cheaper than the front end of a car mm. yeah. so when you're thinking about that that the twenty thousand dollar vehicle that elon's throwing around is this is this what this is? Is it a fully autonomous, uh, fully uh, customizable, I guess, interior that is 
a feature built for more of an urban city style driver or, or you know experience or whatever you want to call it that's going to avoid highways or is it is it two vehicles that what, what do you think about that i would i would what i want is um because most of the people that live live in a big city i mean that's it just look at the um uh, mm. uh, <clears throat> look at a look at one of the um uh, maps that they made up with uh for the for the election and and look at where all the blue stuff is and where all the red stuff is. And as one commentator said, land doesn't vote. Hey, you know what? That means that most of the population is in an urban area. Why are we designing products for urban type travel? It, it, it seems strange to me that, that we, aren't, we aren't looking at that. It's a totally untapped market. Um, uh, uh, okay, so that tells you where the population is, and there you are. Yeah, population density, yeah. Yeah, and some of those areas, I can tell you for sure because Corey cut across. Corey and I cut across from um, from uh, way up there in Oregon all the way down to uh, as far south as you can go in the continental U.S. So down in Texas, and man, I'll tell you, when you get through the center, there's shit. There's nothing. I mean, zero. They, they don't even have grass. They don't have weeds, nothing. All it is just rocks <laughs> and shit. Uh, there's nothing goes on in here. So why are we designing a high-speed vehicle to go through that when mm. the majority of the people are just living somewhere around the, uh, you know, near those red marks? That's, that's an untapped, as far as I'm concerned, that's where taxis are. You don't, you don't put taxis going across country. That, that's why you have an airplane. Um, you, you just need taxis in where things are needed. And that to me would be an inex hugely inexpensive, um, mode of transportation. And, um, and I can, I can make that cheap all day long. So for Country. an urban robo taxi, what kind of top speed would you be looking at then? How much speed would need 45 miles an hour? Tops. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can make it as fast as you want. It would just make if you tried to get on uh, uh, an off ramp, beep 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 beep. No, I don't think so. And that would be it for an on ramp. That, that's that's what you. If you if you're going to build it in, you're not going to go on the expressways. Period. Just that. And expressways at 40, 40 45 miles an hour. Mm, that ain't going to happen. But you need enough guts to get out of the way of, um, you know, to get moving and to get out of the way of a situation. So that would be in there electric motors move quick. Uh, so that, that, that part be all taken care of, but, but uh, I just, I mean, anybody that spent any time in New York city or Tokyo or any place, I mean, you, you can, uh, you can get around just fine on the city streets. And, um, and that's mainly where you're going to want to go. If you're going from one, one borough to the next in, in New York, it, you don't need anything other than a, a square box to get you from here to there. That's it. And a, and a robo taxi in, a, in an urban area, as long as the city's been set. So you need more signaling uh, or communication between intersections uh, for true robo taxi uh, because corners are really a bitch. You can't. Anyway, you need a little bit more um, input from the cities to make that all happen. But once it's in, then you could say, okay, this is a city car. And by the way, you got to take your high-speed vehicle and go and park it somewhere 
and then you get into a robo taxi, a city, a city car, mm. and you go from there. You should go for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so one case uh, that I potentially see for some aerodynamics in the vehicle is when that urban vehicle also would potentially have to go through a let's say boring company tunnel where limiting speed to let's say 40 45 miles in a tunnel where the vehicle is driving autonomously doesn't make sense right i mean if it's a 10 mile tunnel you can probably do it in like you know uh, seconds rather than minutes then yeah. why not yeah well that's a totally different application and what goes into that tunnel stays in the tunnel i mean if you go to Vegas, you've got a bunch of uh, Model 3s and Model S's going around. That's fine, um, but uh, but they don't uh, they don't spend much time going on the road. They're going back and forth, back and forth, and that's what you'd wind up having. So for that type of a vehicle, um, you could make it go faster. That's no big wow. As far as uh, as far as speed, mm, tunnels don't like you to go much faster than about 25, 30 miles an hour anyway. Um, and by the way, when you do that, um, you've got to get rid of wind resistance. So that's why on all tunnels, you've got, um, you've got suck and blow everywhere, uh, to make sure that, um, uh, to make sure that you don't get impeded by airfoil or air, air, um, air pressure. Yeah. So that's, that's all there. Yeah. The, you guys are missing out on look at all this stuff ev tall we only got a few minutes left and i know Cyber there's so much to cover so i much. know so we promised more. jordan last time that he was here that we're going to take up ev tolls with sandy oh okay good <laughs> yeah we may okay. if you're up for it at a, at a later date we'd love to have you back too because there's so much there's yeah, so much right. here to discuss yeah um yeah. I definitely want to be respectful of everyone's time to the one question I had around the 25,000 car though, if, if we could just hit that one more time, um, how much, how much regulatory change would need to happen in the States for them to be able to have a, a vehicle like you described? Is this like a, um, a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis where maybe Miami errors, you know, like a Phoenix or something say, yep, you can operate this thing. No problem. Or does it, is it going to take a, a larger regulatory sort of effort? How do you think about that? The first thing that we need to get across to the, the federal government people is let's get rid of wing mirrors, side view mirrors. Why in the hell are they there? I, I can see plenty fine with, uh, with cameras. Well, I could see much better if the rear view mirror was actually a camera. In fact, GM's got some cars that I, I, I've you know, thrown GM under the bus. Let's give them a, throw them a bone here. They've got a they got a nice camera or a nice TV set in the, in the rearview mirror. I want that. I don't want to look. At, huh. It's foggy outside. It's 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 raining outside. It's um it's the rear the rear window hasn't been defrosted yet. Beep. My camera comes on and it works just fine. The wing mirror. Do you know how many? <clears throat> I I don't want to get into this, but I. You know, I, I, I had an ex-wife and she had a raw problem getting into certain areas and what would happen? Bang, that thing was gone. How many times have I seen, you know, one of these things dangling off the side of some kid going to college and maybe they had a few pops too many or something like that to hit a ball. And now it's, it's just dangling there, scratching up the, uh, 
I don't want that. I, I, I don't need that. I want, I want cameras. Actually, I want something that nobody wants to put in, but uh, FLIR, forward-looking infrared. I don't like LADAR. I don't like radar. Cameras are nice. They're interesting, but you know what? They don't work in a fog. But you know what? I work on military projects. And when I'm going to shoot a missile at something that's a long ways off, and it's foggy or snowing or raining or whatever, I don't care. I know it's in that direction. I know that it's gonna have some kind of a heat signature. I go click, and it, it hits the target every time. Amazing, amazing. Why are we not looking at that? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And by the way, it comes out in color. This isn't one of these little green and gray images that you see, you know, uh, or or red. I love the red one because, you know, you see all these kids' heads and whatnot. They're all bright red and wow, we have a bunch of aliens. But you know what? If you have FLIR, you can see the color of the sweater that the kid's wearing. You can see bushes that aren't visible with uh, with normal vision systems or radar. radar. Radar, you know what? They invented that during World War II. Think on that's ponderous. So um, anyways, I, I think that what we really and truly need to do is first get NISHTA to allow us to get rid of side mirrors. And here's another thing. What do you think is the worst part of aerodynamics on a car? If you guessed wing mirrors, you would be correct. Yeah. The whole of the Aptera uh, the Aptera car, it's a three-wheeled solar vehicle. The whole of that car has less drag than the wing mirrors on an F-150 truck. How Yikes. about that? Yeah, this there's the Aptera. Right here, right? Yeah. yeah, I've got one of those on order too. Anyway, I, yeah, I want to drive for free. I want to have a thousand miles of charge, uh, or sorry, a thousand miles of range based on solar panels. I like that idea a lot. I am mm. a big fan of not giving away any more money than I absolutely have to. And by the way, see those little teeny tiny wing mirrors? Guess what part gives them the most amount of drag? <laughs> Why can't we get rid of these things? Is There must be some really old stodgy guy and he must, I mean, eat he must eat lemons continuously to get that <laughs> that really bitter uh, feeling or whatever. Nobody's going to get my job. Okay, <laughs> that's the guy we need to move out of the way. He needs mm. to go away back into the history books or wherever the hell he came from so that we can get rid of wing mirrors. There's no reason why that can't happen. I don't even want to talk about what, you know, what regulations we'd have to pass for a city car until I can get one regulation, just one, just one regulation change. Get rid of the damn wing mirrors. I only need one thing. Give me that, give me that, and then all of a sudden everything else is a piece of cake. Hmm. Everybody will, it, it, it just rolls off like water on a duck's back. Hmm. Easy peasy. Ishan, go for it, and then we'll, uh, we'll start wrapping it up. I want to I be uh, yeah. respectful of Sandy's time. Go for it. Yeah, Sandy, on the Aptera, why do we have those two little things coming out of the doors? Why are they not on the wheel well? The two little things, you mean the wing mirrors? 
Yeah. Oh, those those are fender <laughs> skirts. Believe me, on mine they would no, disappear. No. Okay. Yeah, those are uh, sometimes sometimes they're called fender skirts. Sometimes they're called wheel no, pants. No. Uh, no, I I meant the wing mirrors that we have that house the camera. That's why are they not on the wheel well and why are they sticking out? Oh, because that's what the government says. Yeah. And you know the government is always right. Of course, of <laughs> course they are. Of course, they have to be right. We elected them. Your uh, rants about bureaucracy are always cathartic for me. By the way, <laughs> I worked really? in the government department really? for like thirteen years, and just so the stuff I saw was just, you know, chewing on nails uh, all day long. So. I have had more arguments with, uh, with, uh, to be a government man, you got a book. You got a book in front of you. You get the job, you read the book. Once you've read the book, any question that comes in, you pick up the book. You read the book. You recite whatever the book said. The book said no, and that's the end of the discussion. You put the book down and wait for the next fool to come in and ask the same question or a question in general. When was the book written? In the case of the FAA, 1948. And there's been no progress, none whatsoever, none, no progress in, in physics or mechanics, not electronics, <laughs> get all that shit. Here it is right here in the book. I read the book. Wow. I know you can't do that. It says right here. No. Next. Holy shit. Oh. Yeah. Very... I can't. That's it's incredibly frustrating. It has to be. It has to be incredibly frustrating. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. It's it's really tragic too because I think all products could be less money and probably be safer and um and um and more fuel efficient for sure. Even if they yeah. just took them off of cars and uh, we got an extra couple of miles per gallon, it's just another couple of miles per gallon we don't have to buy from somebody else. Yeah. Cuz we haven't got enough to feed ourselves right now. I don't want to get it's... into that one either. <laughs> but but I, I think that uh, I think that really and truly everything, every one of these old fashioned books should be scrubbed so that they can be brought up to um, today. Actually, I take care of I even if it's like 10 years ago. I mean, I, I'd go for that, but not yeah. from not from the 40s or 50s. None of yeah. you guys were even born in the 40s or 50s. Not even close. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there, oh it, well, there's another old guy here. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry, facts. <laughs> Love you, Richard. No, if there's one big yeah. contrast that I see between sort of what you just described, which is that uh, bureaucracy and everything is, and I, so we were talking about this before we went live, is that the one thing that really stands out to me, not just about uh, you, Sandy, but the team you've compiled at Monroe, that they're the exact opposite. If I watch all the videos you guys have put together, the amount of talent you guys have at, at, at that at that company is nuts, and it's it reminded me a lot. Reminds me a lot of my time at Tesla when I was there. It's like you, you can tell that there's a, a clear culture of accountability. There's a, a cl clear um, sort of way of approaching how to hire folks, how to ensure that they're happy there. I can tell everybody's happy working there. And you shared some of your philosophy before we went live, but I think mm -hmm. that might be important to share as well for. Uh, sort of the broader public here and and also to announce that I'm sure you're looking for folks to join your company as well but uh, maybe share some some thoughts on that on that respect yeah so um, Monroe is basically a self-directed company the people who get the job are paid to get the job done I, I, I don't want to have a bunch of checkers and things like that I want them to 
be on their own and doing what's right for the company. And yes, we are looking for people, 10 or 15 more engineers would be uh, well-received um, and maybe a chemist. But, uh, but at the end of the day, um, it's hard to get into Monroe. Um, out of 100 people that come and interview or, or send in their resume, maybe five or six get an interview and maybe one might, uh, might get a job. But, but at the end of the day, we are, we are hiring. Um, we don't have enough people. We'd like to have more people. Our customers say we, they'd like to get the jobs done faster with the same degree of accuracy. And, and so consequently, yes, we, uh, yeah, we're looking. And as far as benefits and whatnot, uh, we got more benefits than almost anybody. I, I don't know, except for government people, <laughs> they get more benefits. But uh, apart from that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we pay uh, uh, better than the going rate and, if for the right people. And, um, and if you're interested in doing um, a job that, uh, that you uh, get up every morning and say, yippee, I'm going to work, then that, that's kind of like the kind of person we're, we're looking for. I'm not interested in one of these, uh, what do they call them now? Um, quiet quitters hmm. that won't work here the buzzword nowadays <laughs> that <didn't> work <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no i i uh i really appreciate you sharing that yeah definitely check it out so and i pulled up a website i'm assuming if, if folks are interested monroe.live.com slash careers right yeah um yeah looks like you can uh email uh hr at leandesign.com if you're interested um yeah man i just i really want to uh, really congratulate you congratulate Corey, everybody at that company i mean you yeah. guys have been i told Corey at tesla and i'm like i'm shocked you guys put out the content that you do for free for people to view because there's just so much valuable insight like i i'm not an engineer but after watching y'all's videos i feel like it's it's so easy to absorb and i think everybody in the tesla community um really enjoys your work because we have this sort of interesting thing happening with this company that, you know, I think of Apple and how they came to prominence. It's like, well, oh my God, they have a vision and a leader and their products are just so cool to use. But now with Tesla, it feels like it's attracted this incredible engineering sort of thing that that hasn't existed before where people are really passionate about how the thing is built internally. Like, like we can talk about two hours on wiring harnesses. Like that is the nerdiest shit I've ever heard, but people are so interested about it, you know? And you guys yeah. have made it so fun and easy to digest. So huge congrats to you guys and you deserve every single bit of... Uh, 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 you know, accolades that you guys get. And, and, and I, I can see you guys becoming one to 5 million subscribers at some point, Jordan, likewise to you, man. I think the, the amount of work you've put in on the battery front, you know, freaking, we got bills written based on your work in the United States government. And I just, uh, I just want to give you both a huge shout out. Honestly, I mean, you guys are incredible assets to the, to the community, not just from an investment perspective, but just following the company and learning. So kudos to both of you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, any parting thoughts before we uh, we head off here, Sandy or Jordan? Well, what you just said uh, about um, you know how we were helping people understand what's going on shouldn't that be everybody's responsibility? I mean, absolutely. We we could probably charge for that stuff, but but we found that there's more people that would like to know, but really not interested in paying for it. And and I know for right, I can tell you for sure. There are universities that that watch our shows. Um, there are OEMs that watch our shows in every part of the world. I mean, we get comments back from India, China, Japan, 
Russia. I mean, everywhere. Um, Germany and not so much from VW. They don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> other people. <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of people want to see how things are going. And so we give you an overview. But but Jordan, Jordan is actually giving you a lot more um a lot more depth when it comes to the batteries so i'll let i'll let jordan jump right in there one thing i noticed um when we were at texas is uh we seem to share a passion for doing things less stupid and um share a passion for american manufacturing and that's that's what i took away from the event is uh uh and conversations seem to be returning to that so whenever i talk to you guys i enjoy it so uh, thanks for having mm -hmm. me on it was uh, it was good, um, good being able to ask Sandy some questions, and I have a lot more. There, I know there's a lot yeah. of knowledge locked away there. Uh, so yeah, yeah absolutely. No, I think I think if you guys are down for it, I'd love to to make this happen as as often as you guys can. I think for me, I, it's it's super. It helps me understand the story so much better. I, I mean, I, I I'm sure I could speak for the entire panel here, but they also find it very valuable. So um, yeah, whenever you guys are up for it again, I would love to host this discussion again and. Uh, and yeah, uh, maybe next time Great. we'll get into the EV toll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. here for you for some. No problem. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, All right everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in for with us. Uh, thank you, Borghan. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Ishan. Thank you, everybody in the comments. I saw the chat. Everything was super respectful and great conversation. Uh, again, thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Jordan. And we're uh, and broadcasting here. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. And broadcast.